Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the beautiful day that you have made. I thank you for this family, for this congregation that we can gather and be here together. Father, I pray for myself as I speak, Father, that my words that would go out, you would bless them and you would speak through them. You would speak into all our hearts. You would open us up and you would change us and you would grow us. Father, help me to be faithful, to speak with passion and confidence. And Father, help our ears to be open and our eyes to see all that you have for us. Amen. Um, when I grew up, we never had a TV. I grew up without a TV. Right? Um, and part of what that meant was that I was never able to watch The Simpsons when I grew up. And if you know anything about my generation, that's a big deal. Because everyone has a Simpsons reference, everyone knows a Simpsons joke, and the Simpsons are so good that they have a reference for every single scenario in life. So it sort of meant that through my teenage years, I was a bit sort of socially stunted, because when the conversation got there, I had no idea what to say, I couldn't join in. You can thank my father, he's over there. <laughs> Harriet's probably in a similar boat. Um, <laughs> but when I do know a Simpsons reference, the chances are it's a good one. And the chance that's probably one that you'll all know as well. And when I was preparing this, there was this one particular um, scene that came to mind. And I'm hoping some of you know it. It's Valentine's Day. And poor little lonely Ralph is sitting at his desk. And he's all upset because he has no Valentine's Day cards. And so Lisa, out of the goodness of her heart and out of pity, writes a card to Ralph, puts it in his little envelope, and he opens it, and it's got a photo of a train on it, and it says, I choo-choo choose you. Does anyone remember that? Anyone know that one? Okay, a few nods, good. Um, that was the one I thought of. And you might be thinking, what's this got to do with our passage today? And if I'm honest, it has absolutely nothing to do with our passage today. It's more just the idea that I was thinking about the idea of choice, and that was the first thing that came to my head. But now we're here, we've segued successfully to choice, and this is what we're going to be spending some time about today. <laughs> Good intro, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, I think choice is a really remarkable thing, and I think it's remarkable, firstly, because we have it. And we didn't have to have choice, but God, in His love, has actually given us choice. He's given us autonomy. He's given us the, the freedom to be able to choose things and do things. He has given us choice, and we actually have real choice in many situations. But I also think choice is remarkable for what choice enables, because choice enables love. You can't have love without choice. In fact, if you take choice out of love, what do you have? You have, you have manipulation. You have abuse. If you take choice out of love, it is not love any longer. But while choice is remarkable, one thing we need to know about choice is that choice is not infinite. Choice has its limits, doesn't it? And what I mean by that is that there are certain things in life that we cannot choose. There are certain things that are just set. It's just the way they are. There are certain things that try as we might, we cannot change and we cannot choose them. And there are probably things in your life right now that if you did have the choice, they wouldn't be the way they are. But that is just how they are right now. Choice is remarkable, but choice has its limits. And I often think that we see the limitation of choice at times when we feel like we are missing out on something. When we feel like we don't have something that someone else has, or we want something and someone else gets it, and someone else gets all the good stuff, and we don't seem to have anything ourselves. And we fall into envy 
we fall into frustration. We look at ourselves and we wonder, why am I like this? Why do I have to be me? Why can't I be them? Now, I've got some stuff, but why can't I have what they've got? Why can't I be like them? And we realize quickly that there are things that we cannot choose and we cannot change. Part of what we were looking at um, last week, for those of us that were here, was the, the Christian promise of growth. I think this is a great thing to hold on to in those times. And this is the idea that wherever we find ourselves now, we can change. We can grow. We move forward. There is a future coming. For any of you that are here this morning, you would have heard Matt preach a great sermon about the hope we have in the future in heaven. But there's also the hope for us in this world as the Spirit changes us, as He grows us, as He is with us today. There are some things we can't change. There are some things we have no choice in. And there are some things we can. There are times when we have choice. And I think this leads us to a very real tension for us as humans. It's a tension, I think, of the the human condition, and I think it's between two sort of opposites. On the first side, we have the idea where where we try and change something that we have no business changing, that we have no power to change. And it becomes like trying to fight against the tide, thinking that we could stop it, thinking that we could change it. But in the end, it overpowers us and it takes us with it. And no matter how hard we exert ourselves or how hard we try, we can't change it. It's just the way it is. It's set. That's how things are. And on the other hand, we have this other tension where sometimes in life we've been given this this circumstance or this, this place that we're in. And we just think, oh, this is just how it is. I've just got to accept this. This is who I am. I'm sorry, it's just how I am. I'm not going to change. So this is just what my life looks like right now. It's just what it is. This relationship is just how it is. They've always been like that. I've always been like this. And we actually accept something that God has given us the power to change. And we actually accept as if it were objectively in place for us something that we could choose to change. And we hold up a weight that God never asked us to hold. And we go, this is just, it's just who I am. It's just what I'm like. And I, I would case to bet on my own experience that maybe some of you find yourself right now in one of those two categories. Maybe right now that there's something in your life that you're just struggling to accept. You just wish it was different and you're trying, all your energy is going to trying to change something. But in the end, we can't change it. And sometimes in life, I think God calls us to accept. Because when we begin to accept a situation, when we accept that this is how it is, only then can we move forward. When we accept the situation, we can transcend it, we can move forward, we can grow. But if we don't accept it, we're just fighting against a tide, and the tide's always going to win. I think some of us might find ourselves there today. On the other hand, some of us might find ourselves in a different situation where actually we've just accepted this burden and this lot in life, and we've just accepted this is how it is. And actually, I think God wants to tell us today, no, 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 you can change. You can choose something else. You've accepted this now, but that's not how it has to stay. You can move. You can change. You have choice in this matter. And that's what I see here. This is what I start to see as I look through this passage. Because I think God 
here in this passage provides firstly a choice, but then also something set. If you look at verse 6 with me, just read the first line he says there. He says, come, come, flee from the lands of the north. It's a choice. God is giving his people a choice. And the choice is to come to him, to come back to him, to flee where you are and to come back to their God It doesn't have to be like it is right now. You can come back to me. Wherever you find yourself spiritually right now, God is saying there is a choice. You can come back. You can choose me again. But then he also goes on to address something that's set. If you look at the second half of verse 6, he goes, For I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven. There is something set about the situation of the Israelites. They have been scattered, they are in exile, that's the way it is. God has scattered them to the four winds. But in their circumstance, which might not have been what they had chosen, it's what God had set, they are given a choice. And the choice is to come back, to accept where they are, and to choose God again. I came across um, a great quote, Matt actually came, well, came across a great quote, which he told me about. It's from a Catholic... Um, Minister, and it says this God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's where we find ourselves between this idea of acceptance and choice. It's the wisdom to know when is God calling me to accept something, and when is God calling me to change something and to choose. I think as we think about these, these places in our life, it can cause us to be a bit upset. It can be a really daunting thing. It can be a really scary thing. Maybe it's something that you've been putting off for a while now. And I want you to know that there is comfort in this as well. There is comfort in who God is. Because right now, if you are facing something in your life that you feel maybe God is calling you to accept, there are some things we can know. Firstly, God knows the lot that he has given you. God knows all that he has called you to accept. He knows you as well, and he will not give you more than you can bear. He loves you, and he has given you this for something good. He will use it for something good, and he will help you carry it. God will help you carry the lot he has called you to accept. If only you accept it and come to him and ask for him help, he will help you to carry it. And if you are on the other side, where you're looking at the idea of choice and change, and maybe that's a really daunting prospect, because it means moving away from something that is known and something that is safe and something that is comfortable, and maybe you're stepping outside of that and choosing a new path, choosing a new way to to honor God, that can be a scary thing too. But God also comforts us in that, because while our circumstance may change, While everything might seem like it is up in the air, God is the same. God is stable. His love for you doesn't change. And he is bigger than your ability to choose something wrong. His plan will continue regardless of your choice. He is bigger than that. So there is comfort to each of us. But I want to come back to this passage here. And I want to share something for us to accept and something for us to choose no matter where we are in life right now. Regardless of the specifics, this is something I believe for all of us. And the first thing is something to accept. 
And what I think we need to accept is we need to accept our identity. We need to accept who we are in Jesus. We need to accept that when we come to Jesus that we are loved and we are defined by his love for us. I love this line in, in verse 8. It says, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Or God saying, the apple of my eye. How does God see his people? They are the apple of his eye. He loves them. He loves them so dearly, and that should be the force that defines our identity. Our identity should be found in nothing other than his love for us, that we are the apple of his eye. You know, the, um, the book John, if you've ever read through the book of John, um, there's something that always struck me in it, and it was the idea that when John would talk about himself, he would talk about the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I found it really strange. In fact, it kind of grated against me. It just seems like a bit of a, like, a dog move to be like, there's these people and I'm the one Jesus loves. <laughs> like, you're writing your own book, dude. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> but it seems like a strange way to talk about yourself. But as I thought about it, I realized that John isn't setting himself apart from anyone else. He's not saying these, these people and I'm the one who Jesus loves. No, he's just saying, isn't it spectacular that Jesus loves me at all? And he's choosing to define himself by Jesus' love for him. That he just goes, my name's John, Jesus loves me. Who am I? I'm the one Jesus loves. Not because he's any special to anyone else, but just he understands how special it is to be loved by Jesus. That it defines him. It's his identity. That he looks at himself and he knows that he is the apple of God's eye. And that is what we are individually, that is what we are collectively as a church and as a family the apple of God's eye. And I think the reason why we need to be reminded ourselves of this constantly is because so much out there, maybe in our own life, in our own head, the devil at work in this world will try and tell you otherwise. <laughs> He's going to look at you and go, you think God loves you? Look at your past. Look at all that. You think God's going to love that? No, God knows that and God doesn't love you. He might love some other people, but it's not you. And not only look at your past, look at you right now. You're a mess. And look into the future. You know that you're going to screw up more there. You really think God loves you? No, no, no. He doesn't love you. And maybe that's a place where we're in when we feel so convicted by guilt that the devil has us and he says, no, you are not loved. God doesn't love you. I think when we're in a place like that, to be reminded of what God says in verse 12, I think this is a beautiful verse. It says, The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. He's saying is that the land of Israel is his portion. It is his, and if you know anything about the history of Israel throughout the Old Testament, it is a long story of their failure and God's faithfulness. In fact, if you want a really bad account of people following God, you just read about the Israelites. I mean, like every law they were given, they broke, and there was a lot of laws. I mean, they chose other gods. Everything God said to do, they didn't do. And everything God said don't do, they did. And they even used his words against him to achieve things that he didn't want. They were terrible at following God. Yet what does God say to them here? He goes, I will inherit you as my portion and will again choose Jerusalem. 
God's saying, despite all that, if I had my time again, I would choose you again. Despite all your failures, despite all your unfaithfulness, I am faithful and I would do it all over again. So when the devil comes and convicts you, or when you convict yourself or this world convicts you that you're not worthy, I say we tell ourselves, no, no, God would choose me again. Jesus died for me and he would do it again. If he had his time over, he would die for me again. That's how much he loves me. And that's who I am. And nothing can change that. He would do it again. God chose to love you. And he loves his choice in choosing you. I think there is also something here for us to choose. And first, we read a bit of it out in in verse 6. But again in verse 7, it writes, Come, Zion. Escape, you who live in daughter Babylon. God is calling his people back from exile. Come, come back to me. Come home. Come back to your God who loves you. Come again to my place and my presence. Come, escape Babylon. Escape the exile. I think if we're honest, if we look at the world around us, we begin to see actually the world we are in doesn't look much like the kingdom of God, does it? You know, we, we see these areas where it's broken in, but on the whole, the world doesn't look like God's kingdom. And if we look at it, the reality is that right now we are in a new exile. We are in a new Babylon. And God is calling us to live in his kingdom even while we are in the world. That wherever we go, we would choose to be the kingdom. That we would take it with us by his spirit and by his strength, we would bring the kingdom into this world. That every day, no matter where we find ourselves, we would choose to be in the kingdom, even while we're in the world. I'm not going to live like I'm in Babylon. I'm not going to live like, you know, I'm in Sydney in a sense, right? I'm going to live like I'm in the kingdom, even while I'm in the world, even while I'm at school, even while I'm at work, even while I'm on the train, I'm going to choose to live in the kingdom now. And he gives us a second thing to choose as well. It comes in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. He's calling us not only to choose him, but to be still before him. And how can we be still? Because God has roused himself. God's not sitting down, God's not complacent. He is at work. He is standing up and he is doing things. He is moving things. He is at work today and tomorrow and every day. And because he is at work, we can rest in the knowledge that he is doing things. We can be still before God. We can rest in him. You know, I think in, in our culture today in Sydney and maybe just it's 2018 or or whatever our culture is, I think we have equated busyness with importance. Where we go, I'm really busy. And what we're actually saying is, I'm really important. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for that. I'm really important. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. I'm very busy. (laughs) And in a sense, it's like, actually, if we understand that God is working and God is so much bigger than us, we can have the peace of mind to go, I don't have to do it all myself. I don't have to find my importance or value in doing all the stuff because I've got a God that's going to do it. 
I've got a God that is working, and I just want to be still before him, to spend time with him, to bring all my issues to him. There's a book. I'm sure it's a great book. I haven't read it, but it's got a great name. It's called Too Busy Not to Pray. If anyone's read it, if they think it's good, you can recommend it. But (laughs) it's a great title, isn't it? Too Busy Not to Pray. But when life is busy... We often think, oh, I, I just can't pray. I've just got to do these things. I, just, I, I, I can't go to church tonight. I can't read my Bible. I can't, I can't pray. I can't see that friend. I've just got too much on. Actually, if we're that busy, even more time to come before God and go, God, I've got a lot on. But I trust you. I love you. Please work. I don't need to stress about this. I don't need to be worried. Help me to be calm because you've got this. Because you're not sitting down. You're not complacent. You're working. You are living and active, and I can trust my entire life to you. See, I think in life, we have a tension between the things we must accept and the things we must choose and change. And we need the wisdom of God to know when it is either one of those. But regardless of that, we need to accept who we are We need to accept that we are loved by him, that we are the apple of his eye and he would choose us again. And we need to choose to live in the kingdom even while we are in the world and choose to come and be still before him. It's going to be my prayer for us. So if you'd like to pray with me. Father, I thank you Thank you for this world that you have given us. I thank you that you have brought us all here together. I thank you that you love us. You love us so deeply that we are so close to your heart that we are the apple of your eye. And whatever sin, whatever mistakes, whatever history we have, you still love us. You have forgiven us. You died for us. Our salvation was not a mistake. No, you chose it. And you love the choice that you have made in us. Father, help us to accept that, to grab hold of it and to live in its truth and its light. And Father, help us to choose you always, to choose to live within your kingdom wherever we go and wherever we are. Father, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen.